Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back to the Brain Care Podcast. Today, we're joined by Amelia Thompson, a registered nutritionist and a lecturer in sports nutrition at Manchester Met University, who also holds a BSc in sports biomedicine, an MSc in sports and exercise nutrition, a PhD in exercise physiology. You kind of get the point. A lot. What have I actually missed out of the list here, Amelia? How would you usually introduce yourself to, I guess, clients? Because you wouldn't really say all this down the pub. No, uh, well, sometimes I do. You know, it depends who I'm talking to. The only thing I think you've missed, I'm a nutrition consultant, like you said, nutritionist, and I work predominantly to improve people's relationships with food. And I'm also a trainee therapist. Great. Okay. Um, because you're, you don't have enough letters at the end of your name, so you're trying to just get more, right? Exactly that, yeah. Understood. Nothing to do with helping other people. All about those letters. Exactly. So the reason that I, I discovered you and wanted to come chat with you is really a lot of your work on emotional eating, which I find super interesting. So I'd love you to explain what emotional eating is at a high level, please. Emotional eating is the concept of simply eating more in order to try and change the way that we're feeling in a nutshell. That's the easiest way to explain it, really. Got it. Okay, fine. So uh, what factors or triggers could cause someone to emotionally eat then? Can you give us some examples? Sure. So it really is going to be person specific. For a lot of people, it can be in the moment feelings. So it may be an argument with someone. It could be stress with work. What we've seen a lot in the last year is an increase in rates of emotional eating with lockdown. And the reasonings behind that are things like social problems, relationship issues and challenges that I'm sure people can relate to. But on the flip side of that, also loneliness. I think often we think that emotional eating is in response to something in the moment. But actually, sometimes we experience emotional eating and we can't put our finger on what it is and and there's nothing in the moment. You might just be watching TV and find that you, you overeat and you can't quite figure out why that is. It could be actually that you're emotionally eating to try and suppress a feeling that you've got going on consistently, kind of under the surface. A prime example with that with that would be somebody who is chronically lonely, they feel disconnected. And because they don't have what is essentially one of our core fundamental needs as human beings being met, they try to fill that sort of emotional void with food. So it kind of has two facets to it. The unmet need side of things, but then also the in the moment, that was clearly a trigger type of situation. So if you can't figure out what it is when you reflect back on it, then you sometimes have to look a little bit deeper and figure out maybe what else is going on. Yep, that makes sense. And how do you think people that emotionally eat can actually tell the difference between like physical hunger or emotional hunger? Are there sort of signs that you're emotionally eating to watch out for? Sure. So usually if you feel that you want to eat and someone said to you, okay, let's have a big salad with some chicken and some vegetables, go and eat that. If you said, okay, great, that's going to really satisfy me, that's probably going to be physical hunger. But if you said that's absolutely not what I, I, want, I want to eat, I want to eat something specific, I want to eat chocolate, I want to eat cake. Usually, not always, but that's more associated with emotional eating. Physical hunger tends to come on over time. So you'll have your breakfast, say you go to work, and then maybe around 
11 o'clock, half past 11, you start to get a little bit hungry and then maybe by half past 12 you eat your lunch. Whereas with emotional hunger, you might have had your dinner, say, and then an hour later, all of a sudden, you just have this really big craving to eat some chocolate. And once you eat, it doesn't go away. So it's a really key thing where if you've eaten and it's physical hunger, you won't feel hungry anymore if you've eaten enough and you've eaten something that was satisfying and enough volume. Whereas if it's emotional and you eat something and you still feel quote unquote hungry, then it's much more likely to be an emotional trigger and emotional hunger as opposed to physical hunger. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So in your experience, does it affect men or women more? Statistically, we would say that it affects women more, but I think that unfortunately men, a lot of men are probably subject a little bit to toxic masculinity here and this kind of reluctancy to vocalise their feelings and to vocalise what's going on for them in terms of emotional eating. So I actually think that it could potentially be, I mean, I would hypothesise that it's potentially more challenging for men because one of the ways that we can move through emotional eating is to name our feelings, acknowledge our feelings, and then act on our feelings and meet our needs. Whereas for a lot of men, there's there's more shame around that side of things and, and having these emotional responses. And so often, and this is, this is generalising a lot, it's often a lot tougher for men to be vulnerable with their emotional state. And so actually they may well be more willing to emotionally eat, but potentially less willing to talk about it. So can you take us through what you, um, I, I think you've referred to before as a compassionate and mindful eating? Sure. So they're quite separate things, but if we look at compassion as a whole in terms of what compassion actually is or what self-compassion actually is, it has three key facets to it. And they are self-kindness, common humanity and mindfulness. And so mindfulness falls within the, the compassion realm. Self-kindness is quite self-explanatory. Self-kindness is the stuff that we recognise self-compassion to be. It's talking to yourself kindly. It's speaking to yourself and treating yourself like you would treat your daughter, your son, your best friend. It's very, very hard to do for a lot of people, but that's the first facet of self-compassion. The second facet is common humanity. And the idea behind that is we are all human. We all overeat on donuts or chocolate sometimes. And actually recognising that emotional eating is common to so many people takes away some of the guilt and the shame. And we know that guilt and shame are the opposite in terms of conducive for change. They are really toxic to change. And so accepting that you are human takes away a lot of that shame and the guilt around overeating. And then the third facet is mindfulness, being aware, I'm sure you know mindfulness well, but being aware, being present and being non-judgmental. And that's something that none of us do when it comes to eating, especially emotional eating. We are certainly not aware of what we're doing. We're certainly judging ourselves, definitely not present. We're, we're watching the TV or we're crying into our chocolate bar. Whatever it is, we're not present in what we're doing. And so taking a compassionate, mindful approach to nutrition is trying to incorporate all of these three facets within a nutritional program or a nutritional a way of eating, really, to try and minimise overeating. And there's a really cool study, actually, that gave their participants donuts. And what they actually did was they had two groups and they said, 
this group who has a donut is going to get self-compassion intervention and they told them you know everyone eats donuts this is okay everything is fine and they used the kind of keywords from a self-compassion intervention and then they got the other people who had a donut and they just left them to it and they said have a donut let's move on and then what they did is they gave everyone a big table of sweets and said have as many sweets as you like go for it and what they found is that the people who had the self-compassion intervention, who were told it was okay, who were told to speak kindly to themselves and be mindful, ate significantly less later on in the day of those sweets. So there was just less, but they didn't measure guilt and they didn't measure shame and they didn't, they didn't really measure why that happened. But the self-compassion intervention reduced subsequent overeating. And we see that in practice because people are far less likely to eat out of shame and try and suppress that emotional feeling of feeling bad when they think that it was okay that they just ate overeat earlier. So it's really important to practice self-compassion when you do overeat because it reduces the chance of you overeating, but it's the opposite of what most people do. Most people berate themselves and call themselves names, and that just makes it worse. This is all great in, in principle, but what about in practice? So what about you as the expert that knows all this stuff? How many percentages of meals would you say that you sit around mindfully eating, not in front of the TV? I guess just give us like a practical sense of what a realistic target is from many people listening who will think that you must be the best at this. <laughs> um, I've come through my own journey with this. So I went through a phase when I discovered mindful eating and started to practice it where I ate every single meal with chopsticks in silence on my own and took 10 minutes to eat every single meal. So I went through quite a long phase of that, six months of that, say. I don't have my phone when I have my meals. So I make sure that's in a different room. Sometimes I'll have the TV on. I don't time myself anymore. But I think a really good target and something I use with my clients is let's try for one meal a day. Maybe that's breakfast where you just try not to have any distractions. It's more challenging, of course, if you have children um, or a busy family life. But if you can have one meal a day without distractions where you take 10 minutes to eat it and just notice it. And you don't even have to do it to that extreme. Something that I do with every single meal, name one thing I see, smell, taste, hear. What's the last sense? <laughs> I go through all the five senses and I'll say, you know, this, especially if it's something new, like... Obviously, when you eat the same thing every day, you know what blueberries taste like. But sometimes we eat the same thing every day and we don't even recognise what it tastes like anymore. So it's really important that you go through your senses when you're eating and say, oh, this tastes like this, smells like this. And that takes five seconds to do. And it can become very natural. And that's a really easy way to, to make a meal more mindful. And I, would, I do do that every day. Although, obviously, you don't hear your food. No. No, that's very fair. And um, sometimes, you know, if you touch your food, you might be putting yourself off. Maybe better to leave it to the chopsticks. Yes, but you can determine the texture in your mouth. There's a really good challenge for anyone who wants to do it. Yeah, you'd hope well, so. <laughs> well, if you can't, then you're in trouble, right? Yeah. But there's a challenge called the Mindful Raisin Challenge, which is really good if it, you can get that on YouTube and things, which is really great for anyone who wants to start mindful eating. Last question on this topic. Um, what happens if you actually leave emotional eating unaddressed then? So are there warning signs that it's time to seek professional help or what would you suggest? So for some people, it's not an issue. Emotional eating is absolutely okay as one coping strategy. Genuine comfort from a food is absolutely okay. The problem is when it's your only coping strategy and you don't have anything else in the bank to support yourself. That can lead to a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. It can lead to poor health outcomes. And emotional eating on the whole is associated with things like poor physical outcomes, poor psychological outcomes, lower overall well-being, increased disordered eating scores, lower body image, lower body dissatisfaction. So 
the more often you find that you're emotionally eating or overeating, the increased risk you are at all of these negative health outcomes. So if you start to notice any of these other things that your mood is struggling or your you know your overall well-being or your energy then that's the sign that you need to really take action on that but like i said it's absolutely okay to find some comfort in a tub of ice cream if you've just been dumped that's completely normal wish wish you hadn't have said if you've been completely dumped because you know the tub of ice cream is probably my uh, my my weak point and <laughs> haven't been dumped in a while so <laughs> i've got no excuse sadly <laughs> um Okay, so uh, what are your top three takeaways for listeners then? Um, Top three takeaways. First is practice mindful eating. Second is be kind to yourself. And the third one is notice and name your feelings. I think that's key. Love it. Thanks so much, Amelia. Looking forward to chatting to you again on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week.